Okay, today I'm at Phantom House Stables in Newmarket with Luis Cunha. Luis. Hi, Simon. Uh, thanks very much for agreeing to talk to us today. Now, Pleasure. the reason we're speaking today, you've just launched Pedigree to Win, which is uh, a unique sort of aid to help punters beat the bookies, but based around breeding and not form. How does that, uh, how does that work? Um, basically, Simon, is I look at the another race program, race by race, and I will look at the pedigrees of all the horses in a race. Let's, in, let's take it from that point of view. Is I look at uh, a specific race, and I'll look at the breeding, and I will note which ones are the right ones in, in that race for that specific distance. And um, I don't look at who the trainer is, who the jockey is, um, where the horse is drawn, what weight it's carrying, what course it's running in, or the going. I'll look at it only purely from the breeding, breeding point of view. And then I will um, look at that and say, right, these two, and it's regardless of betting, these two horses are the best bred horses in the race. So look for your winner to probably come from there. And then I will give another three, if it's a big field, four, um, value place bets, which are, you know, I think are well bred in the race and could possibly win or place. I mean, a value place bet means, you know, it could run in the first three or four, but, but they they often win as well. Um, and um, uh, um, I then give the punter that, that, that um, um, I can call it summary of the two best bred horses and the next three best bred horses for them to make the... Um, make their own selections what is um what people forget is i'm not trying to find the first second third i'm trying to give you the best bred horses in the race but it's it's quite amazing that in 60 to 80 percent of the time your one two three will be from those five horses and um uh, um um but sometimes you know, the favorite I'm, i might have not have selected the first second third favorites one of them might run in between, but you know what? I'm not trying to pick the favourites. I'm trying to show you which are the best bred horses in the race for you to make your selections. You can then make up your own mind by looking at that field and looking at what I'm saying, and then structure your own bets. To let's put it that way. Okay, now this is the culmination of 45 years worth of work and fascination. I mean, do do you know these pedigrees? Do you do you have it on a computer, or do you have to manually sort of go for each race? How does it work? Um. I have studied breeding since I was, I think I was, I think I was 18. Um, but it was a fascination with me and I started to look into pedigrees from that time. I've read extensively, I have um, I'm researched, I've travelled the world. I've even gone to Fred, um, you know, to Fred, um, Federica Tessio's birthplace to go and just be there and see, see, see where all these roots come from. So I've done extensive research. And then I also started breeding, breeding horses myself fairly from a fairly young age. I think I was twenty one or twenty two when I bought my first broodmare because I thought uh, um, I could start seeing the pictures at a very early age. But but I thought I could start seeing what's going on here and what why these things run the way they do and and why they sprint and why they stay. And I went and I bought my first mare and then my second mare and um, these mares produced me winners right from the start. And I thought, hang on. I bought another mare, she produced me a group one winner. And it was like, hang on, it, it, it's, you know, I, I, you know, I knew from an early age that I'm reading it right, but, but there, you know, there was, there was still lots and lots and lots to learn. 
and I, I never stopped because that's when I thought to myself, uh, you know, you need to know what's going on. And I thought at that stage that I, uh, 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 and I could look at a broodmare pedigree and know what to buy, but I didn't really understand how the stallion worked. So that, you know, that, you know, that whole picture only came to me 20 years later, but I think it'll come from the questions. We'll, we'll wait, uh, we'll move on and see, see if you've got further questions. I'll try and delve more into that. Yeah, no, we're talking about South Africa 45 years ago when you first started. I yes. mean, these days you can just go on the internet and find out anything you need to know, uh, touch of a button. How did you do your research back in those days? Um, those days, you know, like I said, reading, reading, watching, observing, um, 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 trying to get my hands onto any material. I could even videos in those days, videos that were the, the cool Australian videos. Um, um, videos and and books i think i've read every single book that is possible to read and you know just getting knowledge of of slowly you begin to see the picture and the picture comes together and the picture comes together uh, uh, and then later on you know when i even started doing my own um schematic diagrams of where the stallion lines are coming from and where they're going and then i you know then i started doing more research and i discovered that people had already done some of these things i got those and incorporated those into my own and, you know, then you start seeing the whole picture. And when you're looking at a pedigree, you, um, it's like a picture to you. You can see exactly where it comes from. Within one or two seconds, I can look at a pedigree and I know all about that pedigree immediately. But, but that, as I said, it started from you know, the beginning right through time. You, you know, you're doing a lot of research, a lot of reading. And, and um, you know, and I can tell you that I don't spend even today less than two to three hours a day on pedigrees. I'm just fascinated. If I see something comes on Twitter, you know, that a horse has won a big race in, uh, you know, in Australia, I'm immediately going to look at, ah, uh, uh, yes, I can, uh, yes, that's obvious, I can see why. So, so I'm, you know, I'm forever looking, testing, researching, looking, measuring myself. And, and like I said, then I started to buy my own mares and, and, and um, buying race horses. But just a simple example, um, before we came here, um, it's before we came um, to England, um, I, I, Dylan and I went to a sale and I said to him, what are you looking for a nice, a, a nice cheap run around, probably in uh, um, pounds, cost a thousand pounds. I said, buy those horse, we'll get a lot of fun out of him. We bought him and, you know, when he, uh, um, I think he won a grade two, we'd already left, but uh, uh, we sold him on. But but you know what you know what he uh, and he immediately won I think he won second time out and then he won again and you know then he placed in the group two and then we sold it because we came here but but you know that value you can find when you've got this knowledge because you can recognize it immediately you can see it you okay. know even even when I'm looking at the catalogs for example I'm, uh, I'd be sitting at a sale and um that's why I've offered my service which I think we'll talk about later is because I can sit in the ring and I can see people bidding and buying horses sometimes for five hundred thousand pounds which and I looking at this and I know that um, you know I can say with um, I can see with certainty not say I can see with certainty that this horse may win a race and I you know and I, <laughs> and I so wish I could get out there and 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 give that service to people because I've got that product in my head, you know, uh, not to be able to do that, to read these pedigrees and give proper advice. 
So your eye for a horse is as good as your knowledge of the breeding lines? Uh, absolutely. I look at it first of all from the breeding point of view. And I'll, I'll see something on breeding and then we'll look at the and uh, go and look at the conformation of horse. And you, know, you obviously need to marry those two. Yeah. Now, when you were breeding originally, you know, as a young man, were you breeding them to race yourself or were you selling them? Um, when I first started, um, um, obviously being very naive, I thought to myself, I want to become a big breeder. But but um, I started off, I, I didn't um, necessarily have the funds to do it. So I started off, I went in blindly thinking, uh, um, I can do this, I, I can see everything, but it takes a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of commitment. So I just carried on the breeding breeding side for myself, more of an experiment to you know, to keep uh, um, to keep valid, because at, at that stage I had my accounting trade, which I ran my own accounting company, so I was very, very, very involved with that, because I was a, uh, uh, back in South Africa, I was a recovery specialist, so I went into um, uh, um, companies and uh, local authorities that were in crisis, and um, all bankrupt, and I used to go in and uh, I'm going to recover these local authorities. In a, in, a, in a very short period, they used to give me give me six months to implement the recovery program, and I used to recover them. So I was very busy with that. Some days, that that, that you know that, um, that took all of my attention. But um, I, you know the first call was always my pedigrees. Even if you know I went home after work, um, I'd go back to thinking what happened in you know you know in the world today, and I would go and look and follow it up and just keep valid. Okay, was your interest in pedigrees originally because you saw that there was potential to make money or was it purely organic and you just f were fascinated by it? Purely fascination. Never, never, um, it was never about money. Um, uh, um, it was uh, the fascination with the champions of the breed and the great stallions and what makes, you know, these champions, if, if you, when you're a young person, and I think most um, young people are like that today, you know, they go racing to see a champion. And, you know, your tendency is that the course always much more when you've got a great horse running. Those horses fascinate you because they're different. Why are they different? What makes them different? And, you know, often those horses are not, you know, the most expensive horses um, 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 to buy. You know, they, they just inherently are more champions. And that's what drew me. Okay, now um, people say that the recent form, this purest form study, is the most important. Is that the same with breeding? I mean, if you go back far enough, you're all going to have the same, you know, there's a lot of the breedings in, interconnect going back the generations. So how important is the, the, the deeper branches of the, of the pedigree? Um, when you're looking at a pedigree, um, I, I think there's a few, a few ways to answer that question, but when you're looking at a pedigree, um, pedigree will appear to you as being um, um, being alive and in balance. It'll come to you uh, uh, um, as a sort of a picture. You know, you will look at the stallion and the mare. Does that stallion suit that mare? You can sometimes look at a pedigree and it can be beautifully bred, but it's a nothingness pedigree. It doesn't it's got no meaning? There's no purpose. I can look at a pedigree and see what the breeder intended doing, and you can say, "Oh, intended doing has made a mistake." Yeah, or that's the way that I see pedigrees, and um, um, if you get, you know, if you know, if you understand the lines, where they should be, what line should be where, and then balance. How do you? Where must the balance be? 
I'll talk about that in depth, I think, in, in a, a later on, because it's a thing on its own. But 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 you need to see that, you know, the whole picture of the pedigree. And if it's in balance and, you know, the, you know, the power in the pedigree is in the right place, that is where a lot of the keys lie, is right there. Um, coming to form, form is important, but, but, um, but um, um, you know, um, if you're reading on form only, you know, you're not going to understand or, or you're not going to see the whole picture. Um, um, if I try and give, um, give you an example, um, back in South Africa, there was, you know, there was a great sprinter known as Extra Cover. Is that tremendous sprinter you know he won as a three-year-old he won the big races and big prices because nobody understood what was going on with, with this horse and then they thought you know that he must be a miler he must get at least a mile uh, 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 and they tried him at a mile and he failed and they said no he must get a mile if you look at his pedigree and you know they put him in a very weak weak race one day and he won a mile so they thought oh he can see a mile then they entered him in the classic in a mile no pedigree will always dominate um, because it is, you know, as I said in my preamble, it is, uh, you know, the foundation of the horse. He will run off that pedigree. What the breeders intended to do there is how that horse will run. Just to, um, a very interesting thing that I don't want to forget to tell you as a person that I can see very interesting racehorses and breeding. I read pedigrees all over the world. It's, you know, Hong Kong, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, um, uh, 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 in America, um, I don't know all the stallions all over the world, but I know their lines, where they come from. You know, they all come from the same lines. So when when I'm reading, um, when I'm reading pedigrees, for example, you know, if I pick up a card and I'm doing Hong Kong, for example, those those pedigrees are mostly from New Zealand, Australia, and some from Japan. But um, most people would have to go and research those stallions, because who are these stallions with these funny names? Now, I'll just look at the first, you know, the first two parents, and I know, okay, this is this and this is that, and I know where it comes from, and I can then read the pedigree straight away. Um, with pedigree to win, you offer a sort of a race-by-race -race breeding analysis. Um, if somebody subscribed to you, how many sort of race recommendations or rate, you know, would you throw up a day? Um... Uh, I might try and look at, sometimes I'll do the whole card, but most of the time I will do five to six races. I try and choose, you know, um, you know to be assistant, you know, to be of assistance to people and and is either maidens, novices, nurseries, um, um, and the big feature races, you know, the group races and the listed races, because those are mainly at level weights. So, so you, you know, you don't have to worry about things like that which I don't worry. But I do the handicaps as well. For example, Hong Kong is mostly handicaps. So it, it doesn't matter if it's the one or the other. But I try and do at least five races. Sometimes I do as much as ten. But but I do find when I try and do ten, um, I get very tired. And I, I start to make the odd little small mistake. And uh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. You know, but if I limit it to five or six, seven, I uh, find my accuracy level is... You know, is a lot higher. Okay, and it's not just uh, UK racing, but you do Hong Kong, Dubai, Qatar, others. I mean, what which jurisdiction jurisdiction has proved to be the most accurate so far? 
you know they all they've all been extremely accurate but the most the most most accurate strangely enough to me it beats me completely has been hong kong uh, because you know in hong kong um um i'm i'm getting um um between 60 and 80% winners on a day which is which is handicaps it beats me a little bit because i did not expect that and but but it's pretty much the same in the other you know um in you know in all the other jurisdictions um you know the best run i had probably was the breeders cup the two days of the breeders cup the babies on the friday and then the main races on the saturday i think i got there there you know it 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 uh, uh, um, surprised me as well but but i find generally looking anywhere in the world um, based on pedigrees you're going to get a more accurate picture and you'll you know you'll be able to see very quickly which which is a false favorite and which is not um i think uh, um um people haven't read what i'm saying correctly yet but i've done it once or twice here at newmarket um i think a newmarket race course where where um i felt a bit more confident you know to say uh, you know in my prediction i'll say that you know that the race is between this horse and that horse um you know what i am going to advise you to discard the favorite and the second favorite because the, uh, and, uh, um and 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 the distance of this race is too short for these horses but and and um therefore i recommend this and these places and that's how they ran exactly like that i think you got a 14 to 1 winner that day and uh, one of those favorites ran second or third one of them didn't run a place and then you got an another one or two of the big brass horses came in but uh, and it worked out pretty you know pretty accurate what i'm saying there is that you can read the false favorites and you can read the true favorites you can see it immediately but i i haven't um started to work on that at this stage because i you know what i fear that's that that's you know it's market you're trading on so i i want to leave that for a bit later on and is is it harder to predict the lower the grade you get i mean would you look at a a race at subal midweek the, the same way as you would do a, a big race in hong kong um another big races are easier but they get more complicated because you got more well bred horses in that race so so if you're looking at a big group 1 there's the big group 1 performers in there that you know, another might be you know in a field of 12 horses you know there's going to be 10 well bred horses or nine well bred horses so you, you know you you got to be a little bit more a little bit more tentative and it is harder i'm as opposed to going down to the bottom handicaps when you can look at something and you can uh, i'm like if you give you an example um uh, um, I looked at the race the other day I can't remember the race course but but looked at the field field of about 12 horses as well and there were only two horses that could possibly win the race the one horse I don't remember the price but the other horse was 150 to 1 I looked at these horses and I went back I sat down had a cup of tea and I came back and I looked again only two horses can win this race but all the prices were there so yeah um just to say that um i don't normally bet you know i hardly ever bet but but i looked at this and i thought to myself well that um you know what i'm going to take the one yeah now that's um, i can't remember the price said it's 5 to 1 to win and and i'm going to recommend the other one as as uh you know another only place bet i'm going to recommend 150 to 1 so i opened up the bet again i had a look and they were offering i think 
40, 40 pounds a place. So I put 50 pounds on because I thought, oh, dear, you know, this is just, you know, this is just crazy. So I put 50 pounds, it ran second. It, it just, you know, so what I'm saying is the bottom handicaps are, are easier as opposed to harder because there's more opportunity there because you can also read the new babies coming in. Today, somebody phoned me and said to me, um, we've got a stable, I won't say any names or anything, there's a stable here in Newmarket that's running a horse and we've been told that this, you know, this horse can't lose. So, would you have a look at the field for us and just tell me what you think? So I looked at the field and I said, look, it's not a strong field, but, but beware, there are two, you know, there are two unraced horses in this race. Both of them, I think, are 16 to 1 and 25 to 1. But they are very, very well bred. And in a field like this, normally, one of these two will come up and people won't understand what's going on. But but it's the point I'm trying to make it, you, you know, you often find the value and it's easier to read those races as opposed to the big races. They are harder. And when you're doing your study, you're not influenced by the betting because you don't look at it. No. So you we're talking before, and you, you said to me that um, study of breeding is an imperfect science. I mean, what percentage of it would you say is predictable? Um, I say, and people say I'm bold to say that, um, I say 75% of the horse's pedigree, 25% is the rest. But but that horse must have, you know, a, 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 a lot of horses have got conformational problems. You need to take that into account. When you're looking at a horse, you know, even if it's the best bred horse that you think you can um, find in the book and you're going to look at it and it's small and got um, bad legs, you have to take that into account. So it's not all just pedigree because it is also the physical, I mean the pedigree. But our, the pedigree to me is a foundation, as I say, and I think that the foundation makes up, um, to me, 75%. And then the rest will be, you go and look and you see. Yeah, when you study the card, then do you watch it on the TV and look at the horse and make notes if it looks bad or it looks particularly good? So you've got no, that against. No, no, don't follow that at all. Is uh, what I'm talking about confirmation is when I'm going to buy horses, you know, select horses for Dylan, for example. Um, what I do is I draw up a short list of that catalogue and I say to him, you know, we need to go and look at these 50 horses, and of that 50 horses, we're going to look at them physically, and we might end up with 20. And then we'll bid off that list of 20. We'll, you know, we'll discard the other 30 because of problems that, we, you know, that we're not happy with. We'll overlook another odd problem, but, 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 but in general we're quite strict with that. So we buy off, but we have to be because he was a new emerging stable. You couldn't go and buy um, horses with um, the problems that you know are going to hinder you. He needed to hit the road running. So we need to make sure we found sound individuals. Okay, now your pedigree analysis. So, would you say that for you know somebody thinking about subscribing, is it a pointer to further investigation for form book students, or could you just subscribe and back blindly what you what you put up? Uh, and it's funny you ask that question. I've told people, you know, on the site in newsletters, that if you just take the five horses I'm recommending, and you put them in your exactors, and in your the quartets. Um, um, you will win on the day. Uh, um, uh, um, you know, you know, the, you know. I'm confident that there's enough there for you just to win on the day like that. Or take take what I am recommending to win, and uh, you know, look at your your program and look at who the trainer is, look who's riding the horse, and you know, and 
and I've, I've picked a horse that, that is, uh, and I'm recommending to run a place, and it's 33 to 1, and it's, and you see as a student of the game, and you're looking at this, and you see that horse is trained by this ex-trainer, ridden by this jockey, why? You know, then you must know that, that, that that's not there for a reason. Um, no, it's not there for no reason. It has a chance. You know, put places on those. Give you an example. In the, um, in the Melbourne Cup, I recommended that the two horses to win the Melbourne Cup would come from the favourite. Um, you know, you know, when he stood out and uh, another horse had won the Melbourne Cup. And then I gave, but I said, but for, for students looking for a bit of value, look at this horse. I think the horse's name was Sharifa or something. They ran a place at, at uh, um, I think, 80 to 1. So one of the subscribers read what I said and he said, I'm not going to try and back the winner here. Yeah? I'm just going to put as much place as I, uh, as I can on, you know, this horse Sharifa. And he made himself a, a, a small fortune by just reading what I was trying to say. Now, you say that you try and keep the races that you study to below 10 for, for accuracy a day. Are there any types of race that work best that you pick out of a, a busy day's racing? The best, you know, the best races to work on, as I said earlier, um, are the maidens, novices, uh, nurseries, feature a listed feature a group races. Those are clearly where the you know you'll always find the value there. And you can point your way to the true favourite in the race. Um, I could point my way to a true favourite in most races. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, and um, vice versa. I can also see when a horse is a totally false favourite. I can see it immediately. Now, I'm assuming then that if you are a serious form student and they use your your analysis in conjunction with what they already know, it would help read between the lines as to trainers' plans, or even if a trainer doesn't really know what it's got and it's been unwittingly racing a horse over the wrong trip or the wrong going or whatever, would that be you know that the way to use it as well? Absolutely, that's where the most value lies. Um, there, there was there, there was a one of the subscribers. I think it's on my phone. Sent me a message and said, one of my good friends is uh, now he's an owner and he's got a horse running today, and the horse was I think I think first or second favourite. And he he, you know, he said to me, can the horse win the race? And, you know, so I said to him, I'll have a look at it for you. And I assessed the race. I said, yes, the horse has got the pedigree to win, and he should be in the first. Uh, first or second favourite. He duly won the race. He phoned me afterwards. He said, okay, uh, no, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't follow it up myself, but he phoned me after and said, oh, the horse run, you were right. But um, yes, you can read it that way, absolutely. So w when, the, I suppose, the more evidence a horse shows itself, the more runs it has, the less value it would be the breeding because it's, it's now proven what it can do. Or you still use it to anticipate how it's going to progress in the future? Um. Um, horses run at a, you know, this is a whole subject on its own and I don't want to claim to be a master of that, but um, horses, um, if I can, you know, if I can use the word consistent, some horses will run consistently, some will run to peaks and waves and, and so, so it's, it's, um, that's why horses um, show form and don't show form and that's why you can always find the value is, 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 uh, Looking at the breeding, the breeding will always be the basis. So, uh, and that horse might might win a race and then go off a little bit and be given a rest and come back and run sixth or seventh. But you pick it up in a race and you see, wow, you know, 
look at this horse for this pedigree. Maybe maybe the trainer thinks they're giving it a run, but in that race, that's the perfect distance for it. And bang, it comes and wins. That's where I think uh, a lot of value comes in as well. Is you know you find these you, know, you find this value. You can see it for an owner or a breeder, uh, owner breeders even breeders trainers wanting to know their races. Um, there's so much value to that. They will see it immediately when they look at what I'm saying. They'll see it straight away. Uh, um, another trainer, you know, um, in a new market, uh, I'm at a horse running one day. They fancied it very strongly, very strongly. And I said, Dylan came and asked me, you know, and they didn't ask me, they asked Dylan you know, via the grapevine. And I said to them, you know, that the horse is not bred to go this distance. If they bring it back in distance, I, I would tell you confidently, back it. But uh, it was running too far. It, you know, in the race, what happened in the race, it hit the front and it ran second. It's, it just happens. Um, you say that the pedigree is the foundation of the horse, which sounds obvious, I suppose, really, but is that something that form students tend to ignore? Um, well, if I put it this way, um, I think most people don't look at pedigrees. They don't look at breeding at all. They, they know the sire, you know, they, most people that you look at that follow racing, they know who the sire is, but, but they don't know anything about the dam or, or that particular mating. They don't know much more than that. And, you know, the whole, you know, the whole racing industry does tend to follow, you know, the stallions. You know, the stallion is, is where they say the power is, but um, it's a lot deeper than that. Okay, that's something I got from your website. You say the stallion is the soul of the stud and perpetuates the breed. Good stallions upgrade female lines and bad stallions dilute female lines. Now, is, is that a fact? I mean, are male genes dominant in, uh, in breeding? Well, if you look at the, you know, if you look at the thoroughbred um, genealogy, you know, if I can call it, he, uh, um, the whole gene, you know, the whole genealogy is is followed by the male lines, not by the female lines. The female lines are, you know, are as important. But the main reason for that is a stallion can have two hundred folds, where American only have one. So you know, you can't really follow what they do. Do you know? To me, the mare is a carrier of those male lines, and if she carries those, you know, she carries those male lines, and those male lines. Maylands have a big influence in what she does as a broodmare. Absolutely. And um, I'll just come back and say something about that. But the stallion lines, the stallion line is the most important. The broodmare, the, the way that I see it, is the broodmare is the well and the stallion is the soul. If you get, you know, if you get the right stallion for the right mare um, and you get, you know, you, uh, I mean, you can breed for specifics if you want to win the derby or you want a guineas type or you want to breed a sprinter that's how you do it you don't do it any other way by breeding to speed stallions only or it doesn't work that way you need to get the balance right and um, it's another whole subject maybe in in future uh, I might love to do do something on that alone stallions why do some stallions uh, produce classic winners and others don't it's very easy to understand but but I need a lot of time for that Okay, so how many horses would, would sort of buck their breeding and leave you scratching your head? How many horses would? Would buck their breeding and leave you scratching your head thinking, how did that breed a one mile six horse or something? Um, you know, you, you know, you occasionally see that, but, but, but not, not, not as much 
breeding, but but you will find a horse, a um, I'll give you another example. It's the best way to explain it. Uh, you'll see a a classic horse bred to a staying mare, and you'll get a sprinter, and and that that will beat you because where does the speed come from? Many um, many, many times I looked at the, I think it was the one of one of the big races in Australia. Now this year, one of the big group ones, sprint. I looked at this pedigree and said, not a sprint pedigree, not at all. That, that, that's that's um, um, it's astonishing. But 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 I can understand why, and I can see why. It's speed is a means to an end. There's no such thing as speed. Speed is a means to um, speed is a means to an end. It's what's speed. Sp now the best way to explain speed or to produce speed is to produce speed that stays. And speed that stays is what you want to breed. You win the derbies, you win the guineas, you win the classics. Speed that stays, not pure sprinters. But the, but there's, it's all in the pedigree. It's all in the. So I say this is a subject that you need another whole um, time so you can you can sit and show it by examples. What happens and you can show why. Where does the speed come from? I mean, if you take uh, I'll, I'll quickly say if you take a horse like Northern Dancer, he didn't have a sprinter in his line. Nothing, and. How does it become to, to, to be this great classic stallion? It's there, but, but, but you need, you know, I need to sit with um, examples and maybe deal with that uh, as, you know, on another day. Have you sort of noticed that certain stallions skip a generation and so the next one is no good and then the generation after that? Um, they, they, they don't skip a generation. They, um, they um, you know, you're... Your, your stallion lines, the great breeder, the great breeder Federico Tessio said that all stallion lines come and they, you know, they will go for three to four generations maximum and they, they will fall away and new lines will come. So they don't fall away. You don't get stallions that fall away, but, um, yeah, um, you know, you know, your powerful lines will um, um, continue and wane and continue, but they will go and they will form new new branches with new lines and new stallions and it's a, you know um, um, it's another whole subject but but you don't normally get a stallion failing and then he gets a son that comes up again you don't normally get that he may produce um, every stallion can can produce a decent horse if he goes to a, a mare that matches with him it can happen but it's normally it doesn't your good stallions you know their lines perpetuate and until um, they wane and they disappear yeah, I mean the breeding lines can be traced right back to the year dot. It's yes, two hundred odd years. So right to the four founder stallions. So how much is the theory in breeding changed in that time? Um, well, you know, you know, um, talking about change, what has happened was in the old days they bred. Um, all the horses were bred mainly, mainly around distance, and you know that was a thinking. But but in the modern times, they they've found the the um, speed sources, if I may put it, and they've bred to these speeds, you know, more and more to these speed sources. And, and I see some countries have reduced their derby distances to accommodate that. So that's how the breed has changed. They, you know, they bred to more speed. Speed is necessary in every pedigree, but it's not, it's, it's a means to an end. Speed is necessary, but you need more than just speed. And um, another British, I may say, have been um, guarded their, you know, their assets very carefully, they've never, you know, they've never tampered with their with their distances, and they just maintained their programs, and they are the best breeding region in the world because of that reason. Remember, you need the speed that stays, not the pure speed. You breed at pure speed, you're breeding to an end. 
you need to maintain your and, the, and, the, and the, like I said, the British have maintained that, and that's why they are so powerful. Okay, now you've mentioned previously in this interview that you seem to be like the go-to man in Newmarket when trainers or owners are looking for advice. But part of what you do for business is you you offer uh, you offer consultations to trainers, breeders, potential buyers, etc. So what if somebody comes to you and employs you? What 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 do they get? Okay, be, before just before uh, um, um, just before I give you an answer to that, you know uh, a lot of people haven't come yet. I've, um, I've often gone out publicly and said I will be available to sale. You know, I've hardly had a call. I've had I've had the odd call. People, um, uh, uh, I'm a, um, I think it stems from people still don't believe that this is. You know, you know, this is there's actually so much truth in what I'm saying, and that's why I started the program. I started, uh, you know, the repetitively um, uh, to win is because I want to show people is the, that it's not just what I'm saying. Look, you know, and I'll show you race by race. Follow this, and you will see. You can understand racing, and uh, and that's the same with Dylan. Um, somebody asked me last week. They said to me, you know, we've all been wondering. This person hadn't met me before. Said we've all been wondering. Why Dylan has become so successful all of a sudden? Where does this come from? So I said, because it's attention to the pedigree. He's, um, he's going to have a big season next year because he's 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 buying the right type of horses. And um, you know, just to get back, people have not yet. You know, people haven't come yet. But but there's an odd one that has been coming, but 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 it hasn't happened yet. Uh, people are still waiting, watching, and seeing. They don't know, and um, I haven't done much marketing myself, so people don't probably don't even know that this, you know, that that pedigree to win is out there on the website, and you know they probably don't even know about. It. So, but 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 your but your second part of the question there was, what does your service offer if somebody does come to yes. you for a consultation? Um, you know, um, it does various things. Um, uh, um, offers. Let's start with. Horses in training, you know, uh, there might be an owner that's got, you know, that's got a couple of horses in training and they're not showing any form, and you know he's invested quite a bit of money and he doesn't understand why his horse is not performing. You know, I will then assess, look at those horses for him, give him an, um, give him an assessment of um, um, what type of horse that is that he's got, and then recommend to him with you know in what distance that horse should be running. He, you know, another horse might be sprinting. Sprinting, 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 running seven furlongs, but it shouldn't. It should be running twelve furlongs. So, so you can't go through that process of um, five furlongs, six furlongs, seven furlongs, seven furlongs, eight furlongs. By the time you get to where you want to get, you've ruined the horse. So, so you need to know upfront what are you buying, what are you sitting with, what is the problem with the horse, why is my horse struggling? I spent so much money on it, is because you know I'll be able to tell him that well you've either bought the wrong horse or your horse is bred to be a 12 furlong horse. Put it over 12 furlongs, you'll see the difference immediately. Um, that's the kind of thing that I offer. Broodmares, I will look at broodmares. Broodmares is another whole, uh, you know, there was a, a big broodmare sale that just took place now in Newmarket. I didn't get one request from anybody to come and give them an opinion on a, you know, they might have a selection of broodmares they want to buy, especially on the, in the, um, what do you call the, you know, the classic section they have, the, um, it's got a name. Uh, in the in the in the sessions, I mean, you're gonna spend you're gonna spend huge money on broodmares. They're gonna pay a lot of money for those horses, a million pounds plus. Um, 
um, you know, the value that I could offer there is is phenomenal because uh, race filly and a, and a brood mare, two different things. Might be a great race filly, but not fit to be a brood mare. So that's a kind of advice I could offer there. Um, stallion choices, again, reading the stallion, um, give them advice. As I said to you earlier, when I'm reading pedigrees in Hong Kong or in Australia, I don't have time to go and look at those stallion st- um, stats to see, you know, see what they've done. I can look at a stallion within five seconds, I can tell you um, yes or no. Um, one of the stud farms asked me about two months ago, they, they, um, they just bought a new stallion and I looked at the stallion and I, and I told them why. Yes, you know, you have a very good chance of making it with a stallion. And when I gave them the reasons why, they, that's, you know, that's the kind of service I offer. Okay, now we've already mentioned Dylan, your son, who's now training in at Phantom House in Newmarket. Do you have a type of horse you look for when you're trying to source horses for Dylan? My type of horse that I look for is your Kenny's Derby type horse, if I can put it that way. You know, I look for the you know the horses with with um, good pedigrees. Um, Dylan um, Dylan came to me last year when I started buying him horses, and he said to me, "Dad, you can't just keep buying me these classic horses they, and, and these Guinness type horses." Aren't. I need some sprinters that, that will come out early and win a race. And, and even if they don't win again, it doesn't matter. I said, no, Dylan. That, that's, you know, in the long term, that's not the kind of horse you want to train. You know, you want to train the horses that will win you decent races, will be worth money. And that's, the, you know, the field you should be looking on, the, you know, the classic type horses. Um, you know, we went out and we bought a few sprinters for him to, you know, just get him to get a few winners coming out and, and, and you know, then, then I'll, you know, then he also uses Jordan to buy him um, some horses in training to, you know, just get the winners going so people don't forget that he's trying to build up while he's got these horses coming through, you know, like the one that ran on Friday night, they take time, but, but he's, you know, winners are still coming, so, you know, so he stays relevant, but, you know, I look for the more classic derby top, uh, deep horses, horses you can, you can, find value. Everything I do, I always try and find value. Okay, and the final question, and potentially the, the million pound question, is it possible to buy a relatively cheap horse and win a, um, which can become a group class or even win a classic? Um, absolutely. 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 I'll say it three times. Um, when Dylan started, the first two horses that I bought him you know, was expressionist. He's unfortunately injured, but he, you know, when he came and won, won two races like like a real superstar, um, Silver Sword, which is group, um, I'm, I'm ran second in a group to cost ten thousand pounds. Back in South Africa, I bought horses that you know that cost me um, a, a few hundred pounds. That I won group ones, several group ones. I've done that several times. It's not easy. I had a guy that came to me in Australia one day, he's dead now, a German guy, and he said to me, I've bought my horses at the sale, but I'm coming to you and I'm asking you, find me one cheap horse that I can win a group race with. And as I said, I've got one for you. And I took him, I showed him the horse, I think he paid $10,000 for it, and that horse went on to win a group two, and and it was a very good horse, just, uh, unfortunately it wasn't very big, it was a smallish type horse, but absolutely to answer your question, if... Um, if Dylan will tell you, if you speak to Dylan, how many times um, I've put a horse down for Dylan and told him, go and buy that, that'll win you a group one, 
you'll do it. I've bought him horses, I've bred him horses to win group ones. It's possible, very possible, very, very simple. Just understand what you buy. Okay, Louis Kuhnhub, pedigree to win. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you.